Crypto curious, keep an open mind, enjoy the conversation, and stay cryptocurrent. Now here's your host, Richard Carthon. Did you know that Cryptocurrent now has its own apparel shop? Well, look no further. If you want the latest gear from the Cryptocurrent crew, please check out both our show notes and our website where you can get anything from a long sleeve shirt to joggers to sweatshirts to tank tops, hats, you name it. We have some pretty swagged out gear for you. So if you're in love with our brand just as much as we are, please check out our gear today. All right, what's going on, everybody? For Cryptocurrent, I'm Steve Miller, and you are watching another episode in our interview series. Today, I'm joined by John Shapeshift. He is the COO, well, former COO, but now just co-founder of the Shapeshift DAO. Um, John, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Steve. Excited to be here. I was going to say, we've got a big show ahead. So for those at home, make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. We release these episodes every Monday and Friday with new episodes of our new show, The Aftershock, debuting every Wednesday. We're going to jump right into things here. So John, if you could, please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do for the Shapeshift DAO slash the Fox Foundation. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm a co-founder of Shapeshift originally, uh, dating back to 2014. Um, you know, Eric Voorhees and I started this this little thing that became a big thing. Um, you know, an easy way to transfer one digital asset to another digital asset, and kind of blew up, especially in the 2017 era. Um, and we've evolved uh, quite a bit since then. Um, and the biggest evolution uh, that's ever happened to us, or our biggest shapeshift, uh, was was what happened last July, where we announced that we were decentralizing away the entire company and organization, open sourcing all of our software and and becoming a DAO. Um, and so we've been kind of on that track since July of last year. Um, and it's really been going quite fast and progressively and to the point where like we you know had wound down to the point where we have you know basically just a skeleton staff. Uh, of employees left at the organization. The organization is pretty much done. There's no, uh, you know, W2 type employees left. And every day, um, the DAO community is growing and, you know, self-organizing and thriving. Um, and at this point, you know, there, there is no, you know, I'm not, as you said, I'm not COO anymore. I'm not any of these things or any executive title. Eric's not CEO. None of us, there are no executives. It is really a community run. Uh, organization now uh, in terms of the DAO, and that's been really cool to be involved in and see every day. So at this point, you know, I'm I'm basically just another member of the DAO, um, which is awesome. Um, I love that you know it's not it's not dependent on me in the same way that there is this whole group of people that have showed up to build things every day. Um, and so for me, being involved in that has been you know one of the most one of the most exciting times that I've. I've been involved in anything in crypto over the last 10 years. Um, so been really fun to watch. And yeah, that's that's kind of my my everyday now is kind of just being involved as a community member. That's awesome. So if we can just take, I guess, one quick step back. Um, how did you originally get into Web3 and involved in all this? I know that you said that you joined 
the whole you know crypto movement with Eric when you guys originally founded Shapeshift. But were you involved prior, or did, was that just your moment of stepping out into Web three? Yeah. So when I got involved, uh, Web three was not a term. <laughs> it was just Bitcoin, basically. I got super interested in Bitcoin back in about uh, you know early 2012. Um, I just I had actually heard about the Bitcoin white paper uh, through some like news organization that I followed. There was some news article that had popped up, and I had originally saw something about it. Actually, even before that, maybe even 2010, 2011. And my initial thought was like, "Oh, that's stupid. That will never work." And I didn't give it too many thoughts. Um, and then I started hearing more about this Bitcoin thing. You know, starting to evolve. There were some of these initial price rallies that started happening, and it really started to catch my attention enough that I was like, "Okay, maybe there's something here. Maybe I should learn more about this." And then I went from my cursory look, learning about the white paper, to actually reading it and actually um, going in and learning a bit more about Bitcoin. Actually buying a little bit to try to do it. Actually researching like what a blockchain actually was. All these different things. And I just started, you know, falling down that proverbial rabbit hole and just becoming absolutely enamored with this thing to the point where I, you know, within a few months of that, I was convinced that this stuff was the future and that I needed to spend as much time or as much time as my life as I could devoting myself to this and learning about it and contributing as I could. Um, and so, you know, that led to, you know, some kind of personal involvement in Bitcoin, you know, following the Bitcoin community, being involved with in small things, going to meetups, things like that. Um, but then that really took off, yeah, when I met Eric in 2013 and we ended up basically starting Shapeshift. So that that was where I, my involvement in the industry really started to uh, become more significant and, you know, kind of on a big trajectory since then. But yeah, it's been about, about a decade now since I first came into the crypto and Web3 world. And, you know, the term Web3 really has only become popular over the last couple of years. Um, so I've seen this evolve. For first, it was just Bitcoin. Then it was, you know, blockchain, not Bitcoin, for a period of time, which we used to laugh about. Kind of developed into the wider world of, you know, just calling crypto. And then Web three is kind of the newest, the newest terminology. I think Web three is actually one of the better ones. Uh, blockchain, not Bitcoin, was one of my least favorites. So um, yeah, really, it's. To me, it's I, I don't know. I've just kind of fallen into it during that time, and to me, it's just the most one of the most obvious forces in the world changing everything. And so I just could not help but be involved in it. I love that, and honestly, that's the story that you know we love to hear the most. Here is the fact that so many people just kind of take that leap and jump into it once they figure out, you know, after reading the white paper or. Um, even just getting a little bit of exposure, they they immediately start getting their feet wet as a builder, and that's really cool to me that you you know started that way. But now that we're you know I guess what now seven years on to um, Shapeshift originally, then becoming the DAO last summer, um, I want to kind of start diving into the DAO with you a little bit because as our listeners know, Richard got the chance to sit down with Eric, um, I believe over the summer last summer. Um, to literally talk about the launch of Shapeshift's DAO right when it did actually launch as a DAO. Mm -hmm. So if you could, for the audience, give us the basics on what is a DAO, but also tell us a little bit about what Shapeshift's DAO really is and like how it has decentralized. Yeah, totally. So let's let's back up a little bit of just like, what are the mechanics of how this thing started and how does it even work? So back in mid-July, 
Um, we basically made our announcement about decentralizing away the entity and the launch of this DAO. And what that really meant was that the first thing we were going to do is we did this massive airdrop. Um, so the the native token of the DAO is the Fox token. That's the governance token that basically allows token holders to vote on things and basically run the high-level organization of the DAO. And we airdropped this to a ton of people, you know, over a million Ethereum addresses, you know, all of our past users, a bunch of other DeFi projects, um, you know, ThorChain users, basically anyone that we thought was a good target for this. And they all had the opportunity to claim this token for a little bit over three months um, after that airdrop. And what that meant is that anyone who grabbed, who actually claimed the token and held it um, could become you know, a member of the DAO. They have voting rights. Um, you don't even technically need Fox to become a member of the DAO, but you know, the more of it you have, the more say you have in various votes that might happen. So in terms, that's kind of the fuel that started all of this. But at that point, it was still very much um, a big experiment. Like there have been other DAOs, you know, out there certainly before us and, you know, even all the way back to 2016 and the DAO uh, that blew up in spectacular fashion. But um the concept of a DAO is not necessarily new, but a centralized company, especially one like us with you know seven plus years of operating experience, really decentralizing entirely into a DAO was a pretty new concept. Um, I think we are one of, if not the first, to do such a thing. So, in terms of this question of just like what is a DAO? A DAO is a decentralized group of people on the internet that are organized usually via some sort of token in this case, the Fox token for Shapeshift, um, and have the ability to govern some subset of the organization and open source products and you know, open source engineering that they're doing. So um, in our case, you know, the, our, what we did is we open sourced all the, everything that we've been working on at Shapeshift for the last seven years. Um, and our team started building in the open with the community everything we're doing forward, which actually led to us launching um, the what we call you know the v two of our web application uh, just at the beginning of this year, which was a totally open source built in the open DAO effort. So in terms of how that actually works, you know you know day one of the of the shapeshift DAO, it wasn't necessarily clear you know what is this organization going to look like, who's actually going to stick around, you know either of former people that were at shapeshift and new community members that were coming and interested in this. So it, this, you know, at that point, it was very much an experiment, but the experiment's going pretty well, I have to say. Like at this point, we have something like eight or nine what we call work streams, which are basically like little working groups that basically propose themselves to governance, get voted in for a period of time, you know, something like four or six months at a time, and basically request funding from the DAO treasury. So the DAO treasury is made up of a bunch of Fox tokens that the DAO uh, was given originally, and over time, it has actually diversified those into um, some other tokens. So you know, it holds some stable coins, it holds some other things that it's done treasury swaps with, and it uses those to basically fund its efforts. So you know, the DAO has an engineering work stream, it has a product work stream, it has an operations work stream, it has a security work stream, it has marketing and growth, um, it has all of these things. It's got you know a group that's working on education for new DAO members and the wider crypto community. Um, all these things are things that people basically came and said, hey, you should basically vote me a budget. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what my goals are going to be. And then the community basically interacts and says, yeah, we do want to fund that. 
Um, and that funding comes out of the DAO in various ways, either paid in Fox tokens or stable coins. And people do work on it every day. And then on the other side, there's tons of people that show up that just want to contribute, you know? So there's all sorts of various bounty efforts, either put out by the DAO itself or put out by various work streams or just even various community members like Eric's shown up and put up a few personal bounties himself. And people just show up and grab these. And one of the coolest uh, things that we started to see is especially near the end of last year, as we were kind of getting down to the final wind down of the actual company, is we got to the point where the engineering team uh, could not put out bounties fast enough. Like they actually started becoming the bottleneck. At first it was like, okay, where are we going to find these people? Like who's going to show up and just like want to do work for, you know, little bits of Fox. Uh, but we really got to the point where like the engineers were so they were the bottleneck because they would put out bounties. They put out, you know, seven or 10 bounties in a week and that week, seven or 10 bounties would be completed. And so they got to the point where they just could not get them out fast enough without them being totally completed. So that that's a great problem to have. And it basically just started to show that there's, you know, and every day we see it, like new people showing up, trying to find a way to contribute and not, not just in engineering, but on product, on, on the marketing side, you know, and the community management side, you know, we have a moderation work stream that was formed with like community members that just want to help moderate our discord and our forums and the community discussions, um, all these things. So really what it is, is it's a internet native organization that spans the world, that is all of its rules and governance is decided by its members and token holders. That's ultimately what a DAO is in today's nomenclature. And there's there's various degrees of DAOs out there. Some you know, are more decentralized than others. Some are more autonomous than others. Um, but in one form or another, they are these kind of internet native global organizations with no nexus other than the community that they build on the internet. Um, and that all voluntarily choose to just work together, you know, in the open, in a transparent manner um, on some sort of subset of goals. <laughs> so, you know, those goals can change for various DAOs. In Shapeshift's case, it's really building this decentralized interface, you know, for the crypto world. Um, and that's one of the main things that the Shapeshift DAO is focused on. But, you know, a DAO can really be formed around just about everything, you know, especially as we saw last year with things like the Constitution DAO and various silly things. And it's, you know, my personal theory that, you know, just like we've seen in other parts of crypto, that as DAOs start to explode more into the mainstream consciousness, they're also going to get weirder and weirder and weirder for a period of time. Um, and that's actually ultimately a healthy thing, but it's going to draw some attention as some DAOs are formed around very strange things over the next few years. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt that that's coming. I mean, I've, I've been privy to being able to watch a couple of different DAOs form and be a part of them. But to see exactly how it's even navigating the larger regulatory, you know, system has been a really interesting thing to watch. But I guess within that same vein of like navigating the challenges, out of curiosity, across the last six or nine months of really decentralizing, what have been some of the biggest challenges and successes that you guys have faced? Today's podcast is brought to you by Solads, the creators of Ladopoly, aka the play-to-earn version of Monopoly. Owning a Lad will unlock a number of monthly benefits and grant you lifetime access to the club, including the Lad DAO. For Ladopoly, players roll dice to move around the board, and when they land on a property they don't own, they must pay rent before they can roll again. Ladopoly has a ton of utilities, including anyone who mints a board game will receive 5% of every sale of that NFT in the future. 
There will be in-game taxes, 50% of which go back to board holders monthly. There's a 3% royalty on NFT game board sales with 5% royalty on NFT property sales. Board holders will also be airdropped 50 LAD tokens. Board holders will be airdropped free properties. 50% of all advertising sales will go to board holders and 10% of version 2 LAD quarterly profits are airdropped to board holders. And one of the best parts of the game is that they will be giving away blue chip NFTs weekly as an in-game achievement. For more information, go to soladsnft.com. Again, that's soladsnft.com. Yeah, um, that's a great question. There, there's been a number of challenges that we have faced. So, you know, a lot of those were initially just like, how do we structure things? So, we had some good ideas. Um, my my colleague uh, Willie, who's a great, uh, very active member of the DAO, kind of he, he had been part of some other DAOs and helped us with some initial uh, organization concepts that the DAO could or could not adopt. And one of these was this work stream concept, and that's worked really well, where you basically have a leader of a particular group, whether it's a product group or an engineering group, you could even have multiple of these, but they basically propose themselves as a leader with funding and then figure out with that funding, okay, I'm going to pay these people to do this work. I'm going to produce these things to the community. And then I'm going to show the community, you know, after my six months of funding are up, here's what I did. Here's why it was worthwhile. Here's what I delivered to you all. Here's why you should fund me again. Um, that whole concept has worked really well. I think it was that it was very experimental at first, but it's given a good degree of organization to the DAO without going overboard. It still, you know, kind of adheres to this egalitarian concept of the DAO that anyone can come and do this and anyone can come and say that person's not doing a good job. We should replace them. You know, so that that can happen at any time and that's worked really well. Um, in terms of challenges, I think figuring out what those structures should be, how they should evolve. How do you keep people involved? Um, you know, long-term retention of getting you know good contributors, so you're not just replacing people every day. And you know, and we had you know a number of people formerly from the company that you know some of them have stayed on and formed a great nucleus of this kind of DAO community and helped bring in the rest of the community, kind of helped form our culture of the DAO. And then some went on to do other things. That was totally surprise. Uh, you know, not surprising. That was totally expected, but. It, you know, it was still a challenge for the organization to kind of transition from what we knew as a centralized organization into this decentralized organization. And it's been effective, but at the same time, you know, difficult to see people that you've worked with for a while, you know, move on to something else. But we've also had people, you know, even leave and then come back <laughs> because they go do something else and, you know, the more kind of structured centralized world. And they're like, actually, this isn't for me. That DAO thing actually is really cool. And they, they actually show back up. And that's, you know, this kind of open door that the DAO ultimately has because, you know, there's no contracts, there's no W-2 employees. You kind of, you either just contribute as much as you want or you don't, and you get compensated, you know, based on that at the behest of the community um, has worked really well for the most part. Um, but we, we've definitely had these various challenges. I think one of the biggest challenges that I've seen not uh, in Shapeshift DAO over this time um, and really in every DAO is just figuring out conflict resolution. You know, in a centralized organization, you have to deal... People are very used to just going to like some sort of authority figure, whether it's HR or their boss or the CEO of the company or whatever it is. Like if they have a problem with someone else on the team, 
um, they're generally going to go somewhere else. And in a DAO, there is no such authority figure. So like, you know, with the exception of like literally putting up a vote to governance, which, you know, makes it a whole public thing where people basically have to decide whether to, you know, vote to punish someone or vote someone off the island in some way, you, you have to really encourage a community to figure out a way to resolve these things internally with themselves, to actually talk to each other when they're having issues that there is no authority to figure out or to figure out what these processes are. And this is an evolving thing. I think Shapeshift has dealt with this pretty well, but it's definitely a point of friction when it does come up. Um, and it's been even worse in some other DAOs that I've you know, just seen in the ecosystem as I've watched. So I think this is the sort of thing that's going to get better and it's going to evolve as DAOs figure out better processes and tool sets to deal with this you know, without hopefully evolving into HR departments for DAOs, which would be just an even another problem in my opinion. But um, I think that's been one of the most consistent challenges that I've seen in the DAO world. It's just how do you get people to actually talk to each other when they have conflict and find ways to compromise and move forward and work together, even if they're not always 100% on the same page? Because inevitably, when you have a group of you know 50, 100, 200 plus people across the world all working together in various ways, it's just going to be... You're, you're going to have some interpersonal conflict. It's just impossible not to when you have that many people together and that many different personalities from that many different places. Um, and that's okay. So like part of why I think we're trying to figure out at the Shapeshift DAO and hopefully be an example for others is like conflict or even a little bit of drama is not necessarily a bad thing if it leads to resolutions. What's a bad thing is if no one tries to resolve anything and it just becomes a... Uh, everyone tries to bury everything and then people get mad because the issue festers and then they leave or they or it blows up in some dramatic, terrible way. Uh, the better thing is to really train the community of, you know, like, it's okay when these things happen and we can resolve them together, but we have to do it and we have to do it in the open as much as possible. And I think the, the question from there, for, at least for me, becomes obviously with there being this separate foundation, the Fox Foundation it's not necessarily there to act as that HR element, right? It's not there to be the conflict resolving authority. It's really there to be an admin. Is that correct? Yeah. So the Fox Foundation is part of the structure that we've set up. Um, and it's actually been a long winding road to even get the foundation set up. So the DAO has been live since July. And the foundation itself, um, while the, we've had some of the members ready to go, um, isn't actually hasn't even been live yet. It's actually going live like over the next few weeks because there's all sorts of the legal regulatory structuring that has to happen for that centralized entity, and that's taken a long time. Um, but once it's live, the idea is that the foundation really has no control over the DAO. They are by no means an authority figure. They're not even really an admin. I wouldn't even call them that. They're more just a organization that is designed to support the DAO and its mission and help with things that they can't fully decentralize immediately. So um, I view them more as a support arm, but yeah, to your point, they're really they they have no authority over the DAO, so they really can't come in and solve those issues. They can't they can give their opinion if they want, but that's about it. And they don't really have that kind of like structured place within the community. They don't have anything specific that gives them an ability to resolve things. They're just an organization who's there to help with the DAO. Um, the, way, and, the, way heard, yeah. the way I've heard it, like actually spoken about, is that most of these foundations that form as it relates to a DAO is either that of an admin or an ecosystem contributor. So, I mean, it really does make sense to me that, you know, where you guys are coming at this from is that the Fox Foundation really is that ecosystem contributor. It's not necessarily somebody that's trying to guide the whole, you know, 
of where Shapeshift is headed. So I find that really interesting. But I'd like to kind of head into the big reason why we're here today. And that's to talk about this big news that you guys are, are just putting out in the world. And that's the Shapeshift DAO has officially closed a success token round that's been led by Coinbase Ventures. So there's a lot to unpack here, not just the fact that it's super freaking cool that you guys managed to get Coinbase Ventures to lead this round for you guys. But also this idea of a success token seems like something that we're not hearing a lot about yet. So can you tell me a little bit about the news and even define what a success token is for us a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So this is, yeah, super cool news that is just coming out is that the community basically led, you know, what is really just a diversification effort at the treasury. So the treasury has, you know, basically a large amount of Fox in its treasury, but its goal is to make sure that it has, you know, at least enough stable coins in its treasury to last through any bear market and fund all of its operations as, as needed. So one of the one of the various routes the community has taken to this was this success token. And what a success token is is this is an interesting uh, new you know instrument that was designed by the UMA protocol. And we kind of started talking with them shortly after the DAO launched about this idea. And it's basically a way for DAO treasuries to diversify some of their treasury without having to sell any of their native token um, immediately. So the way this works is a new token is minted. That's what the success token is. And the native token of the DAO, in this case, Fox, is used to collateralize that success token. So basically, a bunch of Fox is put into a contract. That con- that Fox backs these success tokens and the success tokens have like a certain expiry date. In the case of this uh, box success token, it's about two years. And the way it works is that the buyers of it, so in this case, you know, Coinbase Ventures and the the other uh, groups that decided to jump on this round and buy the success token, they basically bought the success token at a price and they're guaranteed at least one Fox token per success token at that price, at, at the expiry date. Now, the, the cool part of this and the way this kind of aligns the incentives of the DAO community and the people buying these success tokens is it's set up so that with the collateral that's in there, they get more than one Fox depending on the price of Fox at a later date. So if, at, if two years from now, the price of Fox is over a certain price, I think in this case, it's like 80 cents a Fox, then at it, as that goes up, they'll get more Fox at expiry. So they can get up to two Fox instead of one Fox for what they purchased at expiration. So this is really cool in that it basically aligns their incentive that like they, like the community, are incentivized to want to work together to basically make the DAO and the community valuable. And the more valuable it is at expiry, the more reward they're going to get, you know, all the way up to getting two Fox for every one Fox they purchase basically at a higher price. And that only happens if the price actually goes up. So um, it basically was a way to like inline these type of VC type investors with a DAO community and do it in a totally DeFi native way. Like there's no there's no legal contract around this. There's no like there is no entity because the Shapeshift DAO is not a legal entity. Um, instead, all it is is basically an on-chain transaction where these people put in uh, their their tokens that they're giving to the DAO treasury and the DAO treasury gives them these success tokens that they can basically hold or do whatever they want with up until that expiration point. So that part is really cool. And it's particularly cool, obviously, that we got Coinbase Ventures uh, to be one of the leads of this. You know, They're one of the biggest, most regulated crypto companies in the world in terms of Coinbase itself, but their venture arm 
um, is very interested in these decentralized projects. And I think it was one of the first examples of them basically doing a, a deal like this where there is no, no uh, centralized entity or contracts at all. And basically the entire thing was DeFi native and um, all closed in that way. So it's a very cool uh, instrument that UMA has developed. That's a great way to uh, align the DAO communities with those who want in on these type of things. So yeah, very excited about that. So help me understand, I guess, for clarity's sake, is it the the success token is now going to be something that is mostly used for venture-based investing in DAOs based on what UMA has created? Or is it that, you know, these types of, you know, success tokens are going to be even open for public purchase now that the concept is coming out there in the world? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's really up to the community that mints the success tokens to use them. However, I think UMA mostly envisioned these as like a way to align a kind of investor group or a VC investor group with a DAO community um, so that the community and those who are raising the funds can be on the same page and have a very similar incentive structure to want to work together, to want to strategically help each other. But there's no reason that these can't be put out there. And it's actually something that the Shapeshift DAO community voted on is we, we minted, you know, basically more success tokens than we actually sold in the round. And the community is actually going to put up some of the remainder of these in a similar range on Uniswap V3. So really anyone can come up and actually buy these things if they want to um, and participate just like Coinbase Ventures did and others, which is pretty cool. So you know, there's no reason that it has to be done that way. It's really just whatever the community wants to do with these. This these basically end up just being another token, and the token can be transferred and put into AMMs, or you can do whatever you want with it at that point. So the community could do, you know, another DAO could basically take success tokens and just sell them to their community if they want. They can do whatever they want with them. There's no real restrictions on it. So this is the really the first time that I've ever heard of or experienced the success token structure and the concept itself. And it sounds like, again, this is all very novel tech. So as you view it, and as you've gone through this process of essentially releasing this success token, what do you think the impact of this is on the broader crypto and Web3 world going forward? Because I feel like this is, a, this is a concept that a lot more DAOs can adopt. But even protocols going forward in certain treasury perspectives can start adopting and utilizing. So what are your thoughts on where this heads from here? Yeah, I mean, the world of DAO treasury management and treasury diversification is actually one of the more interesting ones to me. And it's a kind of a wide open book of all these things. And there's a lot of different experiments being tried. And I think the success token is one that is cool, that is being tried now. And we're one of the you know bigger examples to, to use this so far. Um, but there's a lot of various avenues for DAOs to diversify their treasury. And I think the main thing is DAOs are looking for ways to do this in ways that don't require just selling their token to market. Like no one really wants, and no community member really wants the DAO treasury, like, you know, taking a bunch of its token and just selling to the liquidity pool that everyone's using. Because it's kind of just dumping on the heads of the community and no one really likes the optics of that and it just doesn't feel right. But if there's ways to align strategic, um, you know, investors or people who want to be part of the DAO community in a way where you don't have to sell the token or you know upright whether it's you know some sort of vesting smart contract or it's something like the success token where they have an expiry date the the important thing i think for the DAO is simply that 
they are able to package these things in such a way where the token is not sold immediately to market. And you can align the interests together of like, hey, we're in this together to make this thing successful together. You know, because I think one of the reasons I know UMA divine this success token is there was actually a big backlash on some of these types of things with other DAOs, um, not in the Shapeshift DAO specifically, but there were other DAOs, you know, over the last number of months that were trying to raise money from VC funds and things like that. And what they did is they would generally like give those VC funds like a discount over a period of time. And community members really didn't like that <laughs> uh, because, you know, whether or not it's true, and I think a lot of cases it's not actually true, but it doesn't matter whether it's true, there would be a perception formed that these VCs, and, you know, VCs is hardly, you know, a lot of the crypto community and crypto Twitter almost gets used like a dirty word um, that come and buy these big bags of tokens and then they think just dump them on the market. You know, they buy at a discount and they dump and they just profit in that way. Um, people really didn't like that. So like the idea behind a success token that's really cool is it aligns the community incentives. They don't get any discount. You know, when when Coinbase Ventures bought the success token, they didn't get a discount at Fox at Market. Instead, what they get is basically additional upside if the token does well. Um, and they can't just dump it right away. So that's that's really aligns with the community's incentives of like, hey, this is a strategic investment that's working with us together. And they only succeed if we succeed. Otherwise, they're not getting anything that anyone else didn't get. So that was a really cool way to align that and kind of assuage some of those concerns about VCs getting these huge discounts and then just dumping them on the community. So I think things like that are going to be the future of DAO treasury diversification. I mean, the DAO has also looked into things like, you know, one of the ways that we've funded some of our operations is the DAO has found ways to even, you know, borrow against its token. So like we've used like Rari Capital's pools as a way to, you know, collateralize our Fox as a DAO and actually borrow stables that way and pay contributors that way. So kind of these kind of debt financing, you know, financing with ways that, you know, aligns investors via the success token and other types of treasury diversification. These are, this is a whole world of tools that is starting to open up. And I think, you know, a year from now, there's going to be you know, hundreds of these various types of tools for DAOs and people competing for these DAOs' attention because ultimately these DAOs end up with these huge piles of money in their treasury and not knowing the best way to do things with them. So there's, I think there's just going to be a huge market that pops up to serve the needs of these, of these treasuries because it's, it's just quite obvious that there's a huge opportunity there. I mean, we've, we've already been speaking with a handful of different um, project creators and um, companies that are starting to provide tools for DAOs, um, one of which our listeners can go back and check out was Upstream, um, who's really focused on providing a suite of tools for DAOs to truly form and form in a regulated fashion. So this really is another next-gen tool for DAO formation. Well, not DAO formation, but DAO funding down the line. Um, so I love getting a chance to see this. I think it's really novel tech. And I love that you guys are, of course, on the cutting edge of this at all times. So Big tip of the cap to you guys over at Shapeshift. But one, I guess, final question for you, John. Personally, because you guys are so known for staying on that cutting edge, what are some other things in the Web3 space that you personally are super interested in that, you know, whether that's for Shapeshift or personally, that you get really excited by in the current Web3 um, ecosystem? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's so hard for me to keep up with at this point. Um, you know, I love how quickly uh, the Web3 and crypto space has been evolving and how much innovation is happening in so many directions at once. It's one of the things that keeps me excited and gets me up every day. 
when I first got into you know Bitcoin back in the day, I could literally keep up with all of the Bitcoin news happening just by like reading our Bitcoin. <laughs> and I could read the front page of our Bitcoin and I would basically know, you know that and maybe a little bit of Bitcoin talk and I could know everything that was happening in Crypto. That's totally impossible nowadays. And that's awesome because it's just moving in so many directions at once, which is honestly a strength of decentralization. So some of the things that I'm excited about, both personally and in regards to Shapeshift, is Shapeshift has always been um, specifically a multi-chain platform. We've never been, we've always kind of had this chain agnostic type of view of, you know, we don't necessarily care whether it's Bitcoin or Ethereum or some other L2 or some other chain. We just want to be able to provide users the ability to do whatever they want across any different number of chains and make going back and forth across those chains super easy. So one of the things I'm most excited about on that front and something that Shapeshift is going to be releasing soon in our new platform is full support for the for the Cosmos world. Um, and then also upgrading our ThorChain support, which allows for cross-chain trading. So this these kind of cross-chain things are some of the things where I think the world is really going. And Cosmos specifically has really been seeing a... It's been being built for many years, but over the last six months or so, it's really starting to kind of explode more into the public consciousness with all these different zones that are being set up and that all connect to each other. So I think one of the things I'm really excited about is this shapeshift becomes more of that nexus of like being able to go back and forth between, you know, Ethereum and the Cosmos world and use all these things at once in one place. I'm really, really excited about and for the continual development of that world. And then also for everything that Thorchain's doing, which is another thing we've been, you know, super on the edge of. We we announced support for, you know, back in April of last year. Um, that's getting really exciting and starting to grow larger. And they're going to be going to their mainnet sometime in the next few months. Um, that will, you know, have uncapped limits and all these types of things. So seeing all those things grow together and shapeshift plugging into all of them is probably one of the things I'm most excited about uh, over the next, you know, six months or so. That's awesome. And again, I think that one of the biggest movements that's going on behind the scenes that more of our listeners need to be aware of is this push for interoperability. Because that's what you're talking about here. That's what Thorchain is built yep. on, Cosmos is built on. That's what Shapeshift ultimately is about. It's about giving people the freedom to work between these networks and have tokens in different places, but have them all work together. You know, Vitalik said, you know, only a couple months ago that the future is multi-chain, it's not cross-chain. So to me, I think that what you're getting at there is really the most powerful version of the future of crypto. And I personally can't wait to see it happen. Um, I think it's a really exciting time to be in it. And DAOs are just the start of it. And I love that you guys are right on the cusp of it. So before we go, I always like to give our guests the opportunity, just as my co-host Richard does, and that is to ask you if there's any final thought you'd like to leave our audience with. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, my final thought is just, I think, and I'm pretty vocal about this on Twitter, I, I think DAOs are you know, an evolution in how humans coordinate. Um, and I think that human coordination is one of the most important things on the planet or put another way is like the superpower of the human species is our ability to work together in groups and to accomplish things in groups, not just as individuals. And I think, you know, the last time that there's been significant evolution on how we coordinate was basically when corporations and companies and these types of things were first created, you know, hundreds, even thousands of years ago, depending on how you look at it. Um, so I see DAOs as like the first real big innovation 
in that space in you know maybe millennia, but certainly the last few centuries. And I think now there's no better time than now to basically jump in and get involved with DAOs. And that's the cool thing is they are open and anyone can come and just like show up at the Shapeshift DAO and get involved as a community member and see how you can contribute or even just lurk around and see what's happening. And that there's no more exciting time than now to do that. And that this design space is just going to grow massively over the next few years. These things are going to, I think at some point, I don't know whether it's this year or next year or two years from now, but at some point they're going to blow up into the public consciousness, much like we saw with NFTs last, you know, last year. And people are really going to start getting excited about this new form of coordination and work and ability to work on a goal with people you don't even know across the world to accomplish something. And I think that's very, very cool. They're they're gonna they're gonna evolve in ways that we can't predict yet. And there's no better time than now to get involved with such a thing. I think it's a great thought to end on. John Shapeshift, thank you so much for being on the show and joining me today. We're really excited to be able to share this news with all of our listeners at home, um, whether you're joining us on YouTube or you're joining us via your favorite podcast directory. Um, you can, of course, learn more about Shapeshift, the Fox token, and Shapeshift DAO by visiting shapeshift.com. And of course, you can also go follow John at ShapeshiftCOO on Twitter. Maybe that needs to change to Shapeshift Founder. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I've thought about that. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, we'll talk about the branding after the fact. But for those at home, thank you for joining us again. This has been another edition of our interview series. And until our next one on next Monday, we hope that you will stay cryptocurrent. See you next time. Hey, Cryptocurrent crew. We want to give a quick shout out to all of our faithful listeners out there. It's been an amazing journey and we really appreciate your support throughout the years as we've been growing as a community. Each episode, we decided that we would start sharing some of the reviews that you were leaving for us. For today, we would like to share this review. Today's review comes from Jess Corson. I am an entrepreneur who is entering the crypto space. This show has given me the insight and ideas for a direction I should go in. It has also filled in the blanks in my mind to understanding cryptocurrency. I feel like I have joined a community listening to Richard and all the wonderful guests he has on the show. If you need a place to give you balance and checks with your thought process and respect to crypto, this is the place. Highly recommend. We sincerely appreciate this review and all reviews and would like to ask that if you're enjoying our show, please take a quick moment to go and leave a review on our podcast so that hopefully we can be highlighting your review next. Simply go to our show notes or go to our website where we have a link where you can share your review today. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on today's episode and all of our episodes, please visit us at www.crypto-current.co. You can also find a link in the show notes. Want to stay up to date in the latest news in cryptocurrency? Sign up for our newsletter today. You'll receive daily emails Monday through Friday that are personalized and curated content specific to you and your interest, powered by artificial intelligence. You can either go to our show notes or go to our website to sign up today. Are you an accredited investor looking to invest in cryptocurrency? Crescent City Capital can help. Go to crescentcitycapital.com for more information. I don't know if you've noticed, but the quality of our podcast each week are improving. I can only thank my amazing producer, Andrew DeRitter with DeRitter Productions, who has been putting all of this together. If you have any podcast, music, or audio needs, please go to DeRitterProductions.com. That's D-E-R-I-T-T-E-R Productions.com. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cryptocurrent with Richard Carthon. We'll be back with more exciting developments from the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency next week. But until then, stay Cryptocurrent.
Thank you for joining us for another episode of CryptoCurrent. Just one quick reminder. CryptoCurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the CryptoCurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other CryptoCurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes.